The following is a Journey to Comics Network production. Hey everyone, Andrew here from the Poor Poor and Foodies Watching Movies, and you are listening to the Best of the Week show, the only place you can listen to the highlights across all the shows on the network this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, don't believe fake news. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics. They've done enough good in my book that I have to firmly believe that they will handle Fantastic Four with love and respect. And that is one of the few properties that has just been poorly handled overall, every iteration. All we got to do is go back in time to a throwback episode of JIC and one of Angry Nate's like first big rants. Oh, yeah. I was very upset, Brando. Still have not officially watched a non-shitty cam version of that Fantastic Four movie even years after. Like, I've not watched a high-quality version of the movie. Maybe someday that's a riff tracks we could do for Patreon or something. And then just like, because have you seen it? You haven't seen the fan, the last Fantastic Four that Fox did? No. It's horse shit. Like, how you gonna how you gonna spend an hour and change the movie? And you did nothing, literally, for an hour and changing this movie. And then all of a sudden, oh shit, Victor Von Doom is in space. We have to go stop him, but his name is not Doom. But we also have powers, but he also has powers. And we trained to use all of our powers, but you didn't see us training to do any of our powers or become superheroes. But now we're going to go fight this guy in space for some reason. And that final fight happens in the last 20 minutes of this fucking stupid movie. Like, I just, I can't get over it, man. So, I just, I'm hopeful... My hope is Marvel goes super old school. Make the first villain Mole Man. Make Doom a building character that you fucking take your time to get to. Take your time to make Victor Von Doom a crazy bastard that is unlike anything the MCU has seen before it. You know? He has to be. He has to be. It just That's just how it has to go. But I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. That's all conjecture i guess as v would say um more stuff on the docket here what do you think about this news that broke that monday morning so right now you might be driving to work guess what at some point right now maybe this moment who knows you're gonna get a little buzz buzz on your phone and it's gonna say hey solo a star wars story trailer dropped first trailer official first trailer from Disney and Lucasfilm Studios. And, uh, yeah, man, I, what do you think? I, I can't believe they're not actually going to uh, put something in a Super Bowl spot here. That's foolish, I think. I don't necessarily agree. Uh, I think they kind of want to take this away from the Sunday pageantry and make it its own event. Make uh, Disney's been doing that a lot lately. And on ABC. You know what, actually, I did notice that, and the way you say that, you're right. They are trying to take away from I just feel like it might be a slight missed opportunity. Maybe they'll have a little teaser spot that'll be like a 10-second teaser spot they pay for or something. Like, tomorrow morning, AMC, full trailer reactions and shit. But, Brando, I wanted to tell you this. I know you're going to be at your job that morning, Monday morning, when that probably drops. Yeah, well, that's unfortunate, but what I'm going to do is I'll be up. 
I'll be alive. I'll be ready for that trailer. The moment it drops, I'm going to go Facebook Live and do a live reaction of what I think of this trailer. So check it out on the Journey into Comics Facebook at Journey into Com or Facebook.com backslash Journey into Comics podcast. Brando, the Ninja Turtles are different now. They have new designs. They're all four different turtles. What the fuck? It, but, it, but it is a 2D art style. Hashtag not my turtles. And the, the part of it, like the really harsh, jagged lines remind me of Samurai Jack. Okay. So there's a positive I can see it. But they've also changed their weapons. Dumb. How you going to do that? Raph is now a snapping turtle. Also dumb. Uh, Splinter looks dumb as hell, too. I do not understand that. He looks like something that Rin and Stimpy chewed up in an episode and spit out. Um, okay, April, you changed... Okay, whatever. April's cool. I don't really have a problem, but her bat looks like it glows, so is her bat like the ooze? I don't, I'm confused by that. Uh, you've got Mikey with like a lightning bolt tattoo on his chest, like belly area. And weird drawings on his knee pads. Uh, Donnie looks like he's maybe from Siphon Filter again. <laughs> but what we really mean is uh, Splinter Cell. Uh, looking at... Uh, Leo, you only have one fucking sword? No. Leonardo, two katanas. It's like... You can't change it? That'd be like putting an R on Superman's chest. It's close enough. It's it's only one letter off. It's fucking close enough, you he, know. He's Rupert, man. <laughs> no, I'm just saying they don't give a shit. He they, he's still Superman, but they just put an R on oh, his chest because they don't I give that much of a like fuck. Like Rupert, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you go the other direction, he'd be Tuperman. Oh, more powerful than a tra the hype train of our existence. <laughs> He's Superman. <laughs> you can just get on the alphabet. You, you, you know, Booperman. Oh, Booperman. Big old letter B. <laughs> what about if if it was C, he'd be Cooperman. <laughs> hanging, with, hanging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna die now. Um, also, all their weapons are fucking glowing. Did you see that picture? I didn't pay that much close attention. So their weapons are glowing with their auras, almost. So like, Raf's is pink. Like his weapons are glowing pink. Leo's is like a light sky blue. Mikey's is actually yellow, and Donatello. I don't know how to describe what the fuck is happening to Donatello, Brandon. Hold on. This is... I am officially perplexed at this fucking picture. What I'm seeing here looks like April is on a drone that has bicycle handles that are also shoulder pads that are holding Donatello, who is sitting Indian style all chill as fuck. Floating high above the sky. <laughs> what? 
Who was on LSD when they came up with this version of the Turtles? Like, what? I do not understand. And then also, why the fuck does Raph have the fucking Dragon Zord fucking coin on his belt? What? Like, do you see that? It looks different in this other picture, but the other other picture, it looked like the dragon coin. It looks different in this one, but it's not the same. Well, no, there's two No, there's two pictures. There's just a picture of Raphael by himself, but there's a picture of the four of them over a cityscape, above a bridge, jumping. And it's really weird. I don't know how to really explain it. And eating, that's where the weird hovery shit is happening. Are they eating vegan pizza? Oh, you brought it right up. Man, PETA wants them to eat vegan pizza. PETA say that modern kids are embracing vegan food, so why shouldn't modern Ninja Turtles? Vegan pizza is popular and it's healthy and far kinder to animals than old-fashioned dairy cheese pizza. PETA thinks it's something that Heroes in a Half Shell would support. Guess what, Brando? They're a fucking cartoon! They are not real. They cannot. That does not make any sense. You don't. Gluten-free cartoons. What the fuck? I don't understand this. It's so confusing to me. It's like they they PETA is just like always trying to do the next craziest fucking thing. Boob milk ice cream is one of their things. And that, you know, that still gets me to this day. You know, like, okay, I get it. Like, uh, boobs are nice. I'm not, I'm not going to even play like I don't love them. They're amazing. However, I just, just to go back uh, several, like, 50 episodes or so, I'm just... Anyways, PETA, dude, knock this shit off with your crazy shit, you know? Next thing they're going to do is ask gummy bears to stop being bears because it's hurting the environment, man. Well, I mean, that's discriminatory against bears. <laughs> Their bears are all shapes and sizes and of all colors. Well, I mean, what about the gummy octopi? What about... And then we were talking about... Were we talking about this off-air or was this on-air? I can't remember about the whole gummy worms in comparison to gummy bears. And if worms are really giant in the gum, in like the gummy world. You know, because gummy bears in comparison are small and like gummy worms are more like snakes. Did we already do that on this show today? I can't remember. Was that off that air? That was off air. <laughs> Shit. But then, like, are you getting what? I was just asking if you were getting Revenge of the Yawns. I'm starting to. I'm totally oh, damn. starting to get Revenge of the Yawns. Oh shit! Like every time I open my mouth, I'm like, <sighs> open your mouth and shut your eyes. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh. Oh, was it? <laughs> it sounds so much worse because I didn't finish it right away. That's how they used to. Nate is dead. Nate is so dead. His face is so red. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, okay. 
That's what they used to say to kids when they gave them medicine. Open your mouth, shut your eyes, you're, you're ready for a big surprise or whatever. And of course, it sounds so much worse. Dude, you just, dude, just stop. Stop. Dude, I, like, you're giving yourself a bigger shovel. And probably the most anticipated trailer that people were expecting to see was for Solo, A Star Wars Story. Now, they dropped a quick teaser during the Super Bowl, and then basically we already knew that we were going to get a full trailer uh, yesterday morning, which was Monday. So, I'm um, kind of interesting thing. Uh, first teaser looked great. I mean, this is the first bit of thing information we've seen regarding Solo since all the crazy cast news with the director shift between Ron Howard and uh, Lord and Miller. So I think the... I just, you can guys go look on YouTube and watch the trailer yourself. Um, the best scene for me, which if you don't want spoilers, you can always skip over the next minute. The best scene for me was when the Millennium Falcon is being chased by TIE Fighters... And a Star Destroyer in a storm, so it's like gray and blowing and there's lightning and there's just a Star Destroyer like nose first coming in with TIE Fighters being chased the Millennium Falcon, which looks all clean and pretty. And you have Han and Chewie in the pilot and co-pilot chairs. Yeah, Kira, uh, I think it's Kira, Q apostrophe IRA, I think is how her name is spelled, played by uh, Daenerys, uh, Amelia Clark. You also have Lando in the back looking very much like Lando, so good job, Donald Glover. And you get it's great visuals and mood setting, and really looks like a nice conclusion. The only negative for me, which I'll ask up to see how it plays out in the context of the film, is that it, later in that scene you also see them kind of racing through the arms of this giant tentacle monster, which felt a little like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two for me, when there was that big alien they were fighting with the tentacles and all that. But really, when you're comparing space operas, it's an easy comparison to make. And those are really the Super Bowl commercials I wanted to talk about. That was my list. Super Bowl was pretty exciting to watch. The commercials were good as always. The halftime show was not super memorable to me, and I kind of paid attention, but Justin Timberlake's not really my go-to artist, so I really wasn't following it too closely. I know there was a Prince tribute that maybe rubbed people the wrong way, but that was kind of that. Um, and I kind of want to jump over to a segment that kind of rubs me the wrong way. And it, after talking last week after my show um, with some other people from the network, uh, Nate, the podfather himself, actually talked about an idea of like a rant segment for me, which I hadn't really thought about, but he said like after you ranted about the Tide Pods and some stuff on previous episodes, maybe it's good to have it as an actual segment. So in addition to the Poor Four, which I've unveiled a few episodes ago and talked about before, even though I didn't really talk about a name, but I covered the State of the Union, the Nunes Memo, the Uma Thurman, uh, Harvey Weinstein, and then the Super Bowl, uh, that I should have a segment. I thought of a great name for it, which is the Poor Retort. So we have the Poor Rapport, the Poor Retort. All kind of sounds the same. And mine on today is on... Emotional support animals. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the article probably on social media or on, on the news about an emotional support peacock that caused a bunch of issues 
in airports and it led to United Airlines and a Delta and a couple other uh, airlines from updating their policies regarding emotional support animals. So we've seen a big jump in emotional support animals. It's almost doubled between 2016 and 2017. And these aren't like service animals. These aren't dogs with vests that are there for a specific purpose, like for someone who is blind or needs assistance walking. It's These are people who don't have training. They paid a certain amount of money to get tags and paperwork to say, I need this dog for my health or for my stress or something like that. And that's where they have a pet. And it's a common thing. It's been going on for a while. It's basically, a lot of people did it a while back so they could have a pet that they needed for their emotional health. Like in an apartment or a house or like rent a place that doesn't allow pets. It doesn't mean you can take that dog into stores. It doesn't mean you can take the dog into airplanes. But there's been fine lines of people pushing that limit. And I've seen it firsthand. I traveled a lot in 2017 and early 2018. And I was in a lot of different airports and I've saw my fair share of animals that weren't well trained. I literally saw dog shit on a terminal at O'Hare airport, like just in the middle there. And then there's a guy walking away with his dog. I'm like, what seriously? Like, could you not create your dog? I know it's inconvenient. You don't feel bad for the dog to put it under the plane for the duration of your flight. But if it's that big a deal, don't take your dog. If you're traveling to move, then drive. If you're going overseas, make other arrangements. I shouldn't be inconvenienced because you feel you need to have your dog with you for a two-hour flight from Ohio to Chicago or however long a two-hour flight is. Like, I don't know why I have to deal with a dog or a peacock or a monkey or these other stupid animals. Like, someone literally tried to have an emotional support peacock and put it on a plane. Like, what in the world are people thinking? You can't just be this stubborn you can't just be like i need this i can't handle anything for two hours like yeah i have two cats and a dog i've grown up with pets i love them i would love to be able to take them on a plane but i don't because that's insanity you don't need a pet with you on a plane if you're traveling even if you're going on vacation you don't need to take your dog with you if you really do pay the money put them under the plane sedate them if you have to And that's what normal people have done for years. I don't know why you have to take your dog or cat or fish or bird or whatever the fuck your animal is on a plane with you. It's not that big a deal. If you really want to take them on vacation, drive to your vacation. I don't care if it's a 30-hour drive from here to Florida. Drive. Or check it as luggage with all the stuff they'll put under the plane. Plenty of people have done it before. I don't know why this is news. Why your pet needs to be there. I've gone to restaurants where someone's dog claims to be a service dog, has the vest, then as soon as you leave the restaurant, is barking at other dogs and chasing and wanting to pull and like the owner has no control. Service animal training is a legit thing. Dogs are very expensive. Thousands and thousands of dollars of training are put into these animals. There's dogs that are there to detect a seizure before it happens for low blood sugar. There's dogs that are trained in so many things. But the person has to be trained just along with it. And just saying your dog is a service or support animal is meaningless. You have to have paperwork. You have to contact the airport. If you have a legit service dog who's well trained, I'm not going to notice it on a plane. If I hear a dog barking, sorry, a dog barking, or I hear something else, or I hear an animal of any kind on a plane that it's not supposed to be there just because you wanted your little buddy with you on the plane, 
that I shouldn't hear it. Like, it's very frustrating. Like, literally, I was walking onto a plane a couple months ago. There's literally a bulldog just chilling on the ground. Quietest dog ever. Saw it. Didn't acknowledge me. I didn't really acknowledge him. Kept walking. Found my seat. Didn't hear the dog on the plane. There was no mess. Like, if you have a dog that's untrained and takes a shit on a plane or pees on a plane, I'm going to smell that for the duration of my flight because you can't clean that up on a plane while it's in air. Like, people need to just think about what they're doing. I don't know. It's just bothersome that this is a thing that we're discussing now. There's so many more important things to talk about than you wanting to bring your dog or cat or something on a plane with you. It may be the best dog in the world at home, but if it does not have behavior on people or other uncommon things or pressure on a plane, I don't know. It's like, well, I can't be without my dog. I want to bring it to the movie theater. Like, no, that's insanity. Like, just, I don't know. That's all I want to say today on the poor retort segment on emotional support animals. Like, I wouldn't do it. If I tried to move into a place that didn't allow pets, I would just move to a different place. It's the same reason I get so upset when people surrender an animal to a shelter because they move to a place that doesn't allow the animal. You know there's other places to live in that city that you're moving to. I don't care if the price isn't right. You chose a dog or a cat that's a lifelong commitment. Like, you don't get a dog because it's cute as a pup. You get a dog because you want an animal in your life and you want to deal with that animal. Like, there's a cat literally a foot behind me while I'm talking, just sleeping and making noises, which you might be able to pick on the mic. And they're, they're adorable, but you know they're not a commitment why they're just cute, why they're a kitten. You're having a pet for 15, 16 years. There's cats that live to 20 years. There's dogs that live up to 18 years. They're a lifelong commitment. You have a a pet. It's just something. It's a, it's a lifelong commitment. You're not just getting it for the convenience of it. And you shouldn't inconvenience others by having it. And you shouldn't disrespect the animal by putting it in a shelter. That's my thoughts on this. I'm really passionate about animals. I volunteered at a shelter, but really, just be respectful of where you're going. If you really have need for an animal, you can do the due diligence, get it registered, get the paperwork, tell the airline before you're going to be there. Don't just show up with an animal and be like, I need this for my health. Like, no, there's rules for a reason. We can't just ignore the rules and hope and pretend there's no consequences. Do I have everybody's attention now? Yo, it's me. It's me. It's T B D. Oh shit. T B D. That's awesome. Oh my god. Okay. All right, Brando. Should go and right now and buy my TDB yoga. TDB. Can we make that TDB yoga? Oh. By man. Journey into Wrestling. Stretching and shit. Come join us. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll stretch and shit. Um, you know, DDP yoga is like is like not your mama's yoga. <laughs> DVD yoga. Stretching and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Does your back hurt? Do you need to feel better? Time to stretch and shit. <laughs> With TBD, you'll feel better as easy as one, two, three. All right. So now we're all caught up here, and it's pretty cool because we've only got one thing left on the docket. We've got 
a short amount of time here left on the show. So, Brando, I'll throw the lob ball up into your direction. We must pull out our nifty-difty name, pull around her. Who will we be discussing today? Now, I do believe, did, did, did we replace the dude on the on the air last week? Because I think we added Perfect, right? Yes, I added Mr. Perfect, yeah. Kurt Hopefully Hennig. this week we won't get any messages. We we, we, we muted it. The whole Stone Cold thing kind of got derailed a little bit because Here's of all these messages that were going on. Here's the thing, though, with Stone Cold Brando. I want to say this, man. I, I, I was thinking about this. I've been reflecting on episode 10 and how... Really, if you listen to that episode, the whole fucking episode is us talking about how great Stone Cold is. Talk about him at Raw 25. Talk about some of his most memorable moments in Raw history. I mean, he was the main feature of that entire episode by circumstance, you know? So, what? Oh, I see what you did there. What? 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 How's that work? Now, what the hell are you doing here, son? You don't welcome. You're not welcome back here anymore. All right, so guys, we're doing a random highlight. We got 10 names. We're going to be discussing some of their highlights of their careers. And it's picked at random for the random name picker from any web tool. It's Ric Flair, Eddie Guerrero, Kevin Nash, Y2J, Trish Stratish, The Ultimate Warrior, Edge, John Cena, Magnum TA, and Mr. Perfect. Are you ready, Nate? It's going to pick one at random. Do it now. Woo! Nate? Is the nature boy himself. Ric Flair, the 16-time champion. How you doing? Uh, that's amazing, man. Rick's my hero. I love Ric Flair so much, and there's a lot to talk about. And actually, you talked a little bit about him earlier, Brando. He never beat anybody. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, but also, he won the 1992 Royal Rumble. And that rumble can almost be attributed for the rumble becoming more, something more than just something to boast about. Like, because uh, the, the rumble was never really contested for anything. It was like, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm the winner of the Royal Rumble, you know? And uh, they never really gave them anything. Well, the first time it was for anything was for the WWF title. That was Ric Flair, came out number three, went all the way through, and came out the other side as champion with a tear in my eye. Oh, man. It's the greatest, it's the greatest moment th- in my life. I'm working on Flair. He's different because he just, it's difficult because some of the other voices I do, ch- I change my voice drastically. And Flair. It's subtle. He, he, he's like up here in the back of my mouth and like my nasal is like up here, guy. Yeah. I mean, he's had one of the longest storied careers. Brando, I guess that he might be related to me. I'm just finding this out right now. Here's a really weird thing. Richard Morgan Flair, possibly born Fred Phillips. In his autobiography, Flair actually states that he had his birth name listed on three different documents as Fred Phillips, Fred DeMarie, and Fred Stewart. Given that his biological father's surname was Phillips, it is suspected that Fred Phillips is his actual birth name. But Flair has never followed up on that. Uh, in 1949, he was legally adopted by the Flair family and was renamed to Richard Morgan Flair. So, that's pretty interesting that I might have Flair blood. Woo! I do that. Woo! Uh, so multiple time Flair, champion. Oh, dude, multiple time. He was U.S. champion in uh, in the mid-Atlantic area. And, of course, uh, he would win his first NWA world title from the one and only Dusty Rose, if you will. But... You know, honestly, it's a second championship that made it, made, that made it mean something because 
It's almost like they took the title off of him almost as a way to transition it because when they took the belt off of him, he was like, oh, man, no, no, no. Damn it, this is mine. And, I'm, and then, of course, he would come back and he would defeat uh, the guy that beat him, Harley Race, uh, yeah, at, the, at the very first Starcade. A flair for the gold, baby. He's the only two-time Hall of Famer as of right now. As of right now, he went in, of course, by himself and with the Horsemen. It is possible for him to go three. Is there a th- mm. is there a third faction he's tied to? Evolution. Evolution. I don't see them in. getting into the no, Hall of they Fame. All have, I, I I wouldn't because they all have every single one of them are Hall of Fame bound. I mean, Absolutely, so. hands down. Uh, actually, Flair is also been inducted in the Luthez Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Eight-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, WCW International World Heavyweight Champion, two times NWA Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Champion, three times NWA Mid-Atlantic Television Champion, two times U.S. Champ, uh, WCW six times NWA Mid-Atlantic Champ, three times uh, with Rip Hawk, Greg Valentine, and Big John Studd. He was World Tag Team Champs, the Mid-Atlantic version, three times, with twice with Greg Valentine and once with Blackjack Mulligan, first WCW cri- Triple Crown Champion. That's hard to say. National Wrestling Alliance, these are his NWA accomplishments. He was the uh, world, the NWA world champ nine times and a 2008 Hall of Fame uh, inductee to the NWA Hall of Fame. Um, and then in his WCW time, or his WWE time for titles, he was the world tag team champ three times, twice with Batista. Can you name who he was tag team champs with once? Roddy Piper. Fuck yes, Brandon. Great trivia knowledge there. That's a hard one. Not a lot of people would know. One-time WWE Intercontinental Champion. Two-time WWF World Heavyweight Champion. Royal Rumble winner in 92, as you said, crowning his first uh, WWE title. 13 Triple Crown Champion. Slammy Award for Match of the Year in uh, 2008 versus Shawn Michaels in his retirement match at WrestleMania 24. As I said already, two-time Hall of Fame inductee um amazing feuds with sting michaels um piper bischoff fucking uh mcmahon i mean there's flares had it all you know all right so there's one guy as far as feuds go of course you can't forget dusty Rhodes. Okay. absolutely but there's another guy who he had a really big feud with and had a trio of matches in 89 Ricky? Yes. Thank you. I fucked up and forgot. Sorry. Sorry, Ricky those, the Dragon. That's my bad. Uh, those matches, to me, and Rick says that they had, uh, you know, that they had matches that were way better than that years prior. But to me, like, these three matches are, like, some of the best matches you're ever going to see. And what I'm trying to find right now is the name of all the events because I know some of them. I know that one of them is called Chi-Town Rumble. One of them is Russell War 89. That was the last one. And I can't remember if there was a Clash of the Champions. Um, all right, so Chi-Town Rumble, when was that? Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, so that was in February. Chi-Town Rumble was in February. And Flair defended the yeah Flair defended the title against against uh, Steamboat at the Chi Town Rumble, and he lost. And then uh, at the Clash, it was two out of three falls. 
And if I remember correctly, the clash match goes damn near for like 50 minutes. Like it's damn. It almost it goes a long time. But the ending was a little controversial because uh, like Flair had his foot on the rope or something. You know the whole thing where the ref counts it, but you know it. Uh, Flair, Flair had to contest like, "Hey, guy, you didn't actually beat me there, pal." Well, the uh, the the Wrestle War match went with 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 Ricky once again defending the title against uh, Flair. It goes about thirty something minutes. Flair gets the win here, wins back the title, kind of becomes babyface, and then back in the process, he he is a little less heelish in the match, and he wins it straight up, clean clean victory. They shake hands, I think. And uh, that sets up because they brought out some judges, you know, like just in case we're not going to have a tie here. We're going to have an actual, actual winner here um, with me. One on like uh, Gordon Sully. <laughs> I just did the worst ever Gordon Sully impersonation. It's okay. It wasn't that bad. Um, well, one of the judges was the one and only hardcore legend himself, Terry Funk. Oh, shit. And that set up a couple matches with Funk versus Flair. And the iconic one is comes at Clash of the Champions in the fall. I think it was in the fall, but it was the I Quit match. And it's one of the only times he ever beat anybody with a fucking figure four. He put, he put uh, Terry in the figure four. And, of course, that was back in the day where instead of tapping out, they, they had to put the microphone, what do you say, pal? Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And for some reason, like uh, Vince McMahon is in an I Quit match with Ric Flair at that point. Moving on, uh, I I actually had a subject. I had some. Fun Facebook happenings happen today. All right, late on. Uh, I already told you about it. I'm gonna go ahead and get this prepared in my little live feed here. Uh, but basically, I had a friend uh, post a status, and she said, um, "I found it." She says, "I can't watch. I still can't watch anything with Robin Williams without crying." So then the fun hap- The fun started. Very first comment. I'm going to go ahead and pop this up on the screen. Uh, sorry if names get shown and they don't want their name shown. My bad. Uh, probably won't, I, I just don't have the ability to censor shit out since I don't have a full fucking production crew. But here we go. going to go ahead and do this. Okay, so the very first comment from Mr. Jimmy McClary. This, this guy's a Captain Doucher 9000, by oh, the way. Yeah. He says, you know how he died, don't you? great grammar already uh abby says yes and then i come in i said what does that matter shows he was a freak you obviously only know what msm told you a while ago i don't know what i don't msm is but okay msn whatever i go that's cool i love people who judge people they don't know based off the little piece of the picture they can see from outside the window they're looking through jimmy responds and I love how people put other people up on a pedestal they've never met because they've seen them in a movie. The sick fuck died jacking off as he had had a belt tied around his neck. So yeah, go ahead and act like you're some intellect when you're, you are just a moron. Let you me guess. You are. 
You are just a moron. Let me guess, you like pedophiles too. Oh yeah, we love them. Oh yeah. I say, careful, your intelligence is showing. And then my next comment was just a thumbs up. Um, next comment, he's a sick fuck for jacking off. Don't act like you don't touch your own dick. <laughs> he says, no, no, I do that shit daily. But to hang myself up with a belt around my neck as I jack off kind of makes him a sick fuck. But hey, please, let's hear more from you. This we guy's all, such a douche. We all have our own fetishes. He says, I guess so. Next person says, so because someone hangs themselves up, hangs themselves with a belt, it suddenly means they were jerking it? People like you are why our president thinks he's a genius. <laughs> this next comment's the best one. Oh, yeah, here he goes. Jimmy McClary. No jackass. Because someone hung themselves while jacking off. Maybe research before opening your mouth and by the way president trump is a genius <laughs> <laughs> that, that in itself says it right there yep there why you this go. guy's a douche whether you support trump or not the, he so, is not so, yeah, a fucking the, genius the, the the veil has been lifted we know this person now. right we officially know what we're getting into at this point and you know i'm, I'm not gonna read all of the comments just this this is just the initial um one of the highlights, though, is the source that he's citing. Hold on, I'm going to get there. Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'll let you do there. it. So, the, the original poster, Miss Abby, she says, I can't find an article or anything about his death besides him committing suicide. <laughs> also, haven't laughed so hard in years, but you calling our president a genius did the, fuck, did the trick, so thank you for giving me a good laugh again. The next comment is Mr. Jimmy McClary. <laughs> He posts he posts a link. Where does that link lead? IGN.com. This is his news source. IGN, for, IGN is the mecca of now credible look, news sources. Let's look at this. It's on a message board. It's not even a, an actual news a news article on IGN. Message board. Rob the top, the subject is Robin Williams died doing a David Carradine. Carradine Carradine Carradine, Carradine it seems. First post. The, the first post on the thing says, according to some sources, Robin was wanking it when he bought the farm. <laughs> he is now studying kung fu with some guy in the afterlife. And it's like, literally, like, there, it's not a, it's not a, this, this, Jimmy McClary. I like how you announce his name. Jimmy McClary decides that this is a refutable source of news like this is a refutable news source that he can like make base all of his fucking knowledge off of I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up when you did because this is going to bring me into my next topic this is why we need a giant meteor to smack the fucking earth <laughs> and, and extinguish all human life this right here this guy is setting out to ruin somebody's day for absolutely no reason yeah. And his justification is that he's a fucking idiot. Yes. I'm going to get more into Mr. Jimmy McClary here in a bit, but let's let's continue let's continue reading. Okay. So there's a really long comment. I'm not really going to so, Okay, I'll I'll go ahead and Jimmy McClary, she tags this person. The research I did stems all the way back to the second grade and it's called learning to read. The next step you'll need to go you'll need to get through this dilemma is learning that 
what refutable is, and how to identify an actual news source, a.k.a. not a message board type Tumblr. Actually, let's back up. Did you know they teach classes on how to use internet? If you message me, I can totally help you sign up for one. (laughs) And then most of that link is people disputing the original poster on not having any evidence. And it was IGN. So, like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, why are we on an IGN message board talking about Robin Williams jacking off I don't know. I don't know. But Mr. Jimmy McCleary says, oh, this this is where it really gets funny. And I'll, I'll comment on this comment here in a second. Jimmy McClary says, I forgot the internet only works for liberals when they want to find something. When they want. When they want to find something. When they want to find something. There's supposed to be a period there. Yeah. And then he says, GTFOH, which I'm assuming. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. He goes on to say, You go ahead and jack off to what Robin did. Normal people think that's sick, and we see that you think it's okay, so we now know where your morals lay, or lack of morals. What a douche. He goes on. He ends up going on, and, and like nobody has said anything about their political leanings. No, nothing on the political leanings and their political views, but he immediately throws out the L word, that li- the liberals. We are apparently all liberals now. So, next comment. Like, I'll hear you out if you find an actual article or something, but I use IGN for a game walkthroughs, so I'm not going to trust much real-world info from there. L-M-A-O. L-M-A-O. The Mayo. Mayo. <laughs> oh, so normal is conservative, ignorant, and uneducated? Well, since you like articles so much and want to discuss the sickness of people by their supporting morals, let's check out the... Let's check out that president you obviously voted for and think is a genius. She ends up going to post like several uh, articles on sexual allegations, sexual allegations against Trump, just Trump himself. Mister Jimmy McCleary says, "El Mayo, you lib- you spelled you liberals tried to buy those women's stories already been debunked. Funny you." only heard from these women at certain times, then they just disappear. Keep reaching. I go on to say this is gold. I can't wait to put this on blast on my show tonight. Podcast should be live at 6pm. Nice. Nice <laughs> tag there. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, you shouldn't always believe what you see online. I'm not trying to be rude or argue. I'm just pointing out that a lot of articles can be fake. Same with news. Fake, <laughs> well, fake news. <laughs> Lisa says, well, anyway, Jimmy, have fun eating your Tide Pods. <laughs> Jimmy McClary, that's you liberals thing. I'm good. I'll clean the brown stains in the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and here I come. Get in there I, nice I come and back deep in. like and scrub, boy. I had already, I like, my last comment, my last real comment on the thing was, um, uh, like your your intelligence is showing, thumbs up, or whatever I said, and I that was gonna be my last comment, but and I thought this was over because this most that that comment happened yesterday. This all happened today, so like yesterday after I made my last comment, I messaged the original poster. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't want to talk shit in your thing, so that that's gonna be my last post. <laughs> I wasn't expecting all this to happen, so of course I had to jump back in. 
Um, I say, you keep throwing that word liberal, liberal around. I'm a conservative that works for his livelihood, and I still think you're an inbred moron. Good luck. Switch has officially outsold the Wii U's lifetime sales in 10 months. 10 months. The lifetime sales of, of the Switch right now are at 14.86 million. You know, it's still hard to find them. Still. All around here uh, in the Walmarts, they every single one has at least four or five. Yeah, I usually see about one or two. About all I ever see. Now, that isn't all we got because they got some. Okay, so, here, so the, the best selling games on the Switch. I bet I know the first one. What is it? Breath of the Wild. Nope. Mario Odyssey. Yep. <laughs> Mario Odyssey has sold over 9 million copies. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, number two, Mario Kart Deluxe. 7.33 million. That's a great game, though. I mean, I can't argue that. No, number three, Breath of the Wild, 6.7. Yeah. 6. So there's your top, that's your top three games for that system. Like, those are the ones, like, they have to come out with it, in my opinion. Yeah. And, okay, so, like, think about it. Mario Odyssey came out in October. Yep. Late October. Mm-hmm. Over 9 million copies sold. That is almost, at at 9 million, that is almost three-quarters of Switch owners have Mario Odyssey. Yep. I know I'm one of them. Yes. Well, I mean, I got, and I, of course, I got the bundle, but holy crap. Yeah. It, 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 it also doesn't hurt that that game is absolutely amazing. It is. So, a guy at work brought his Switch in. Did he? Colby did. Okay. Yeah. He was he was playing it, and he was on the uh, the desert level. And he was trying to do stuff on there, and I kind of walked up to him. And I was like, hey, you need to go ahead and put your hat on that guy right there, and you can see what you're doing. He's like, really? Yeah. But he was playing it right there like at the desk at work. I was like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, they, I wish uh, I could. They're the ones that planted the idea into Torres's head that he should get a switch, and I guess they were playing. He said they were playing Fortnite, and um, is that on the switch or no? No, I was gonna say I didn't think they, was uh, they were playing it on PS3 or right. PS4. My bad. And uh, in between rounds, the other guys were playing Mario Kart, like while they're waiting and all that stuff. Right. And so they're playing like a race of Mario Kart, and then they're all telling them, "Yeah, you know, it'd be cool if we all had." Well, I, I guess one of them was, and then the other dude got on there, started racing with him, and then so Nick is kind of left out in the cold, like, and then so like they 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 played around, and he was the first one eliminated, right? Yeah. He goes, "All right, guys, I'll be back," and he went out in a blizzard. <laughs> Dude, a why Sunday, does this not surprise me? On a Sunday night, and uh, and uh, and bought the switch with Mario Kart. Eight. And then he got Mario Kart Eight, and then he also got he got Mario Kart Eight. He got uh, I believe he got I believe he got Breath of the Wild, maybe. I, I think he got those two, and then maybe he got Doom, or maybe I know he said he was he hadn't played the newer Doom, so he goes, "I'll go ahead and bit it. I'll go ahead and get it on there since I heard it runs good or whatever." Right. But I remember that Saturday before he was like grilling me on it. He was like, "If I did this, does it you know is it hard to find?" It, I was thinking about it, and then he maybe he didn't do it, and then like the next day he was like. Okay, I'm going. <laughs> so then, uh, I guess he went out, he and, and he got a switch, but at that Walmart they didn't ha- they were out of Mario Karts, 
So then he had ran all the way across town to the other Walmart. He goes, damn, I'm already out. I'm not going home without my right. Mario Kart now. So then he picked up, and then he got their last copy in Mario Kart. That's, that's pretty funny. Um, but, like, seriously, dude, Switch is killing it. And uh, he probably came here to get Mario Kart. <laughs> oh, like on our end? Yeah. Like on our side, yeah, probably. Hopefully he didn't go to the west side. I hope not. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's a little bit of a trek, but, I mean, it was it was Sunday night, so, like, all the like, of course they would, of course they're second shifters, so they, yeah, so they're it was probably after they were closed, like the game stops and all that stuff. Were oh closed. yeah, oh yeah. So he didn't really have a lot of places to choose from, but of course there is no shortage of games coming out for the Switch. Oh no, there is a large slew. And of course, in February we have the the port of Bayonetta two. Yep. Uh, is Bayonetta one and two coming out at the same time, or is it? I think it is, isn't it? I would say yes. Because then Bayonetta 3 is coming out later. Right. So in February, we got the port of the Wii U exclusive, Bayonetta 2. And I assume one, but don't quote me on that. Then, of course, in March, we have the new Kirby. Uh, Kirby uh, Allies. Ally, or yeah, the one like where that. you can do like four-player. Com- yeah, combined so you got that. So you got that game coming out. And, uh, and of course, going into... Um, you know, hopefully we'll get some news about a certain um, Samus Aran. Yeah, because yeah, it's supposed to come out this year. I don't think it is. I, I, I'm. You know what? Nintendo's pretty good about it's coming out. This is when it's coming out. Mm-hmm. They stick to their guns. Yeah, but here, the only issue is, is that there's that was only like a. They didn't really like give you a full window. They just said round. Right. Uh, so uh, I still think it'll be holiday, and guess who will be forking over the money for the limited collector's edition? I don't care if I had to buy it from freaking Europe, like the last one. I should have bought the one from Europe. But yeah. So Red Dead Redemption Two got delayed again. I wonder why. Well, obviously they're finishing it up. It, they announced the date though this time. Uh, they announced a, del- a delay and a, and a hard date. And so it's now slated to come out October 26th. Well, my question is, do you think it was delayed to possibly make a port? Of the first? For Switch. Uh, I don't think that's the reason why. If I had to guess the reason why, it's, it's probably the online mode. Yeah, you see that. But, what, but think about it. Wouldn't it benefit them to put it on the Switch? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, the Switch is killing it, and if it's possible for the game to run right. on the Switch. Yeah, that's true. If, if it's possible for it to run, uh, it might be worth the hassle. Now, With the fi- the 50 gig cards coming out, though, well, in, in the recent, in, in the upcoming year or so. Okay, okay, okay. So, how about this? If I were Rockstar... And I had L.A. Noir already out. Yeah. Um, and from all intents and purposes, like the games are selling pretty good, if not as well. Yeah. So if Red Dead's coming out and the 60 gig uh, Switch cards are not 60 coming gig, out. 60 gig, 60 I'm sorry. Yeah. If, they're, if they're not coming out until the following year, then I would release Red Dead Redemption 2, PS4, Xbox One. Yep. And then when it's ready say February, March, release it on the Switch. Because, because, if they're available by that time and you release this, the Switch version, February, March, the, those sales numbers still count towards that same fiscal year. Yep. 
So you have your PS4, Xbox One, PC, Switch versions all kind of compiling in by the end of the year. Now, of course, by with that token, you are then like allowing the other consoles to sell more uh, than on the Switch. However, I don't really feel like that would be a problem because the Switch, and I've said this before, it is a secondary system. It is. For a lot of people. Uh, if for me and you included, we both have PS4s. I also have an Xbox One. And uh, there's always, you know, when you have multiple consoles for the same generation, there's typically one console you use more than more than the other. And right. I use the PS4. Now with the Switch, uh, I, li- I literally switch back and forth between that and the PS4. You know, yeah. There are games that I bought specifically on the Switch. Said, I'm going to play this and I'm going to enjoy it. Like the L.A. Noir uh, re- re-release. Right. There was no reason for me to get that on the PS4. The only real reason to get that would be to try and get that in a 4K mode. Right. I don't have a Pro and I don't have an Xbox One X. So why, like, if I'm not going to, they're like, and, you know, and of course you can say, well, you know, the game runs better. A little bit, sure. Absolutely. But I've already played this game once on the PS3. And the the the, the Switch version, after doing my homework, is just, okay, here, here's, the, here's the PS3 one down here. A notch up is the Switch. Of course, up here, the PS4, then PS4 Pro, and then Xbox One X right. way is, up, is up the top, giving you the full uh, 4K experience. I don't care to get the full-blown experience uh, right. out of L.A. Noir. Yeah. So, yeah, hell yeah. If I want to play that, I'll play that on the damn Switch. Absolutely. Same with Skyrim, okay? I never got past 10 hours in Skyrim. Right. I was a late bloomer, picked it up on a whim. Let's Let's go ahead and try this out. I enjoy what I played of it. I'm not like some people who have bought it every single time that it's come out. Uh, when it came out on PS4, I, I didn't pick it up. And when it came out on Xbox, you know, I, I haven't played the fork. No, haven't done that. So when you're telling me I can play this portably, that's a sell for me. Right. I don't have a 4K TV. I will eventually. Sure. I plan on it. But it's also, it's not a desire yet for me. It's not because these consoles are not yet at a point where we're pushing these games where it's this drastically of a difference in graphics. You're listening to the Voice of Survival Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Nate Phillips. She is the... Jelly in Jellyvision show on Podbean. She is the host of Podcasting Smarter. She is the creator of the Social Media Rescue. She's a social media guru, entrepreneurial expert, uh, creator of the DC Podfest, and overall just cool person who seems very busy. Welcome to my show, Jennifer Crawford. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Nate. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so honored. Well, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit after I was on your show, Podcasting Smarter, which was an amazing experience for me. I just thought it was like we had a really good conversation. It seemed like we kind of went over your typical length of episode. And my thought was, well, why don't uh, why don't I return the favor, have you on, and learn some stuff about you? We've got listeners that love hearing amazing, incredible stories about everyday people and I think you're really a, a gem amongst people as far as just from the little bit of research I've done. So I'm going to go ahead and just kick it off with this very first question. How we met each other is directly through podcasting. So I, I really need to know 
where does the want, the need, the drive for podcasting for you start? Because here in a little bit of the research I've done, I can tell you, you've podcasted so long, I can't find episode one of your Jellyvision show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. Uh, you, you think that things on the internet are forever, but I think those early episodes got lost because we streamed them on a service called Ustream. And I think Ustream, after a while, if you don't pay, deletes them. So I think they, there are some lost episodes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I have, been, I have been podcasting a while. And I think the need comes from sort of, you know what, I just have always been a fan of the underdog. And I think podcasting was such a great medium for underdogs, because it gave people a chance to have a voice and put them, themselves out there, have a chance of being discovered or sharing a passion, sharing some knowledge. Um, and and I just found it just so empowering from the very beginning when I first started. And when I first started, I it was simply a vehicle to expand upon a, a brick and mortar business I had at the time. I had an, an early co-working space, which was for the creative class. So we had a, a 5,000 square foot former auto body shop from the 70s that we converted into this creative space for musicians and artists and performers of all kinds. And there was so much magic happening within our walls, just creative magic. And it was open to the public, but I thought, oh, if only I could have more people discovering these people that we are so lucky to encounter here. And so podcasting, um, once I heard about it, I thought, oh, this is fairly easy to do. And we were live streaming on video also. And it was just a way to expose the artists to a, a broader community, you know, beyond our walls. And I thought that was really powerful. Um, and I just fell in love with it from there. So it's interesting because not only do you fall in love with podcasting because of this brick and mortar, but is this also where your love for improv really like expands? <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I think so. I was such a, a sh I'm, I'm now naturally very shy and introverted. And it's one of those things that people have a hard time believing because I am in an improv troupe and I perform. But that was something that came about in that same space. Um, we had the beginnings of an improv uh, workshop that started there and we were low on numbers. And so I, I sort of jumped in just to be a warm body and I ended up falling in love with it. And at the time I was, I was somebody that would never get up and like, and talk to people. I would never do public speaking. I would never get behind a mic ever. I was so shy and improv really helped me gain some more confidence and, it lets you fail, but fail in a fun way. And you realize that, you know, you can make a fool out of yourself and nothing really bad is going to happen. Nobody's going to eat you. You're still going to, you're still going to live through it. And, and that business where all that happened was one of my biggest failures. I failed tremendously and had to close its doors about five years in after losing so much money. <laughs> and so I guess that whole experience taught me to fail and improv definitely helps with podcasting, I think. So if anybody out there has ever considered taking an improv class, I highly recommend it. 
Actually, that's an interesting segue between those two worlds because I know when I first started podcasting, at least for me, uh, getting behind a microphone in a room by yourself, and that's how I started, uh, can be extremely overwhelming because even if you're just by yourself and there should be no pressure whatsoever, your little brain starts ticking. Hey, somebody might hear you say this. And hey, what are they going to think? So then your mind goes a little crazy. So for you... Now you've done, you did, did you do improv before you started podcasting? Are they kind of in tandem almost simultaneously? They almost, yeah, it's pretty simultaneous. It was almost in tandem. I mean, so, not exact date, but probably within a few months of each other. So really it's kind of exposure therapy too, because you have improv where you're dealing with real people seeing you, uh, you know, be creative and sometimes have creative failures, as you said, and you just live with that. And then now when you go to get behind a microphone, I feel like when you sat down for your first podcast, was the pressure off just right out the gate? I don't know if it was off. I mean, I think what happened in that time and space, we were all about creative freedom. It was a big, you know, mantra of ours. Like we had this, we had this space that we could do anything in. There were no rules. Like we just, if we wanted to put on a show or a variety show or a poetry slam or whatever we wanted to do, we could make happen. And so I think with the podcast, we just thought of it as this like creative experiment and so that gave us the freedom to take some chances. And it was, I'm kind of glad that you can't find those early episodes because they were horrible, horrible. I mean, we didn't, we had no idea what we were doing. It was just, um, it was poorly thought out, poorly executed in a lot of ways. Um, but like anything, you know, with podcasting, it's one of those things you really can't read a book to get better. You can only get better by actually, you know, in practice and doing it over and over again, it's really the only way to get better at it. What do they say? It's uh, 10,000 hours of doing something will make you a master at it? Yeah, that's what they say. I, and I, I tend to, to believe it. Do you ever wonder how many hours you've logged podcasting uh, in your journey? It's interesting, you know, talking about uh, not being able to find the, like, your lost tapes of the, um, you know, the demo reel worth of your original show. You know, that's one creative vision that you had, though, that helps you to find what you were doing. You really trailblaze in a lot of ways more than you probably even realized the world of podcasting because you were out there before a lot of people. I mean, I didn't find podcasting until like 2012. And by that time, you were already 65 episodes deep, according to what I could find on the interwebs. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was fairly early, certainly not the earliest, but it's still, you know, they call podcasting the wild, wild west because we're still in, it's still in its infancy. I mean, it really is. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like it because now it sounds like everybody has a podcast. <laughs> it's like every time I turn around, there's another podcaster out there. Um, but I, I feel like it's, I mean, I think of podcasting as an art form. I don't know if if you feel the same way about it, but I feel like it's an art form, and I think we we still have a lot to explore with this art form. I think we're gonna see people do some amazingly creative, out of the box things, um, and I, I'm sort of excited to see what people do with it. Oh, absolutely! There are so many different ideas and concepts that just flow through my head as a podcaster, and I totally agree with you thinking that this is an art form because. While I do these shows, it's not just, hey, I really want to talk to A, B, or C, or hey, I want to cover this news or whatnot. It always comes down to, 
I want to be able to express myself and and have a moment of my life in kind of a recorded form. And I can look back, and it's really cool and a beautiful thing to look back on early episodes of your podcast and go, "Wow, I like I really have evolved quite a bit here." So, and and with evolving quite a bit. So, you know, you've you've done this for a while now. What are some things you would love to go back and tell yourself? Now that you are a veteran podcaster, I mean, the Jelly Vision show has over two, you're almost at episode 250. Yeah, yeah, I, I know it's hard to believe it. it. In some ways, it seems like I just started yesterday, and in some ways, it feels like it was a long time ago. But if I had to go back, I think I would tell myself to take it more seriously because I honestly think it wasn't until like our third year. Where I'm such a slow learner. Where I was like, I guess I'm I'm spending a lot of time doing this. I should start taking it more seriously. It's time for brews with dudes. Ah, juicy. The next beer is from Kushwa Brewing Company. They're coming out of Williamsport. Maryland, it looks like, if I'm reading that. MD. What is the state abbreviation MD? Maryland? Maryland? Cool. That would be Maryland. I got that right. Let's 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 get a little more in tune with Kushwa. They say Kushwa Brewing Company is a small three and a half barrel brewery located in Williamsport. It is owned by three friends who are passionate about making and serving quality beer to the great people of their hometown. So they got two beers tonight. The one we'll be drinking as our finale is the Velvet Robe. It's an oatmeal stout. That sounds amazing. But right now we're hopping into the Fog at Daybreak, an American pale ale. They like to say that it's a hop cocktail of Simcoe, Mosaic, and Amarillo. A couple of my favorites, honestly. Aroma is sticky, tropical resin. Finish is clean and dry. All the hop flavor you would expect from a double IPA packed into a sessionable pale. Well, you don't say so. The ABV on this bad boy is only 5.6, with the IBUs being 67. Uh, they tell us to drink this out of a tulip, which we're doing. Oh, so, yeah. Without further ado, gentlemen, Goodness. let's tap these glasses and get a group gulp in on this. Ah. <sighs> Mm, the Simicon and Amaretto are wow. really up forward. My goodness, that is drinkable. I was I was gonna say you could really smell the Simicone hops and the Amarillo hops up front. Mm. It says it says it's a sessionable pale, and I have to agree. At at a at a decent five point six, I would get myself in trouble with a six pack of this. I, I could have a session of drinking this. Yeah, and it would be fucking awesome. It's it's a beautiful color. Uh, it's hazy, uh, a little. It's a little juicy. You cannot see. I can't see my hand through it. It's it's very hazy. Um, not no no clearness at all. I think this is, this is a juicier beer than the other ones that I've had so far. Creed thinks this is a juicier beer than ones we've had before. I agree, but I'm gonna have to give it one more one more big swig. Mm. It's got a nice bitter bite at the end of its yeah. juiciness. It's but it's not like overtaking. It just kind of has that. That quick click of the back of the tongue with the bitter. It's, it's just a quick bite. Yeah. It's not it's not too bad at all. 
My goodness, I'm enjoying this. So now mm. we we've jumped between the two different breweries now, and um, just quick preliminary judgment. I'm gonna since they were both pale ales, I'll say I think I liked Kushwa's more. I think I'm digging. Oh yeah, this Kushwa's very very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm we happened chance to put it second because I feel like the flavor would hang on my palate and overbear the one we just had before this from make two it beers. even worse. No offense, two beers. That was a great pale ale. It really was. It was. Very solid, very drinkable. But this just has that crisp flavor that just hangs on your tongue that just would overbear that one. Mm. So let's jump into, what, what else do we got going on? We just told you about the Livid Huntsman show at Jerry Lee's. Uh, after that, this is a yet-to-be-announced event. Um... But we, we're what, working what? on it. We're doing a Saturday, March 17th, down at Jerry Lee's. We're doing a St. Patty's Day extravaganza. St. Patty's Day? There's going to be a, a tap takeover. We're not yet announcing who that is. And then we're going to have the return of a really awesome band. The first time debut of a band from Chicago that is really awesome. And a third band that is local that is going to be playing new tunes. So it's going to be a super packed night of really awesome bands. So you're telling me that is the golden pot at the end of the rainbow? Absolutely, Austin. It's it's about as good as it gets. It's about as good as it gets. And I'm going to try to get some short people to dress up as leprechauns because... You mean midgets? Well, you can call them what you want. I know you've got an affinity for them, so... I have partied with some people of a shorter stature before, and they are always fun. At least once. At least once. So, I can't really say a whole lot about that because we're still working on some details, but we're hoping that we can get those details out very soon because there's a lot of really cool things about that show. Um, I gotta say real quick, looking at this list right here that's he has personally posted on his Facebook page. I don't know about Twitter. I'm not on that. I don't follow it. But uh, it is very easily overlooked in the long list. And if you're not careful, you'll miss this little diamond in the rough. It was a thing. It was a thing that I didn't have an event page for yet, but I wanted to throw it in there. So you kind of, in your head, told yourself, "I don't want to do anything else that night. I know there's going to be something cool in town that night." So, and you know what? I was already thinking it. What am I going to do with my bros on St. Patty's Day? We've got some good ideas. We've got some fun ideas. Looks like I'm going to be drinking some beers. E. And then uh, listening to some bands. We're going to be drinking beers, we're going to be playing pinball, and we're going to be listening to some heavy metal, that is for damn sure. That sounds like one hell of a St. Patty's Day. So, one week later, this is, whenever we book more than two or three shows in March, I always like to call it March Metal Madness. Because isn't there, isn't there a sports thing? Boom. Mm-hmm. NCAA so Creed, basketball tournament. That's what Creed's mm-hmm. telling us over there. And you know what I say to that? I don't give a shit about that. But you know what I care about? This is Filling the, out your bracket for it, right? I think this is the third year we've done a March Metal Madness where we've had three or four shows. So the very next weekend after our St. Patty's Day blowout at Jerry Lee's, March 24th, we've got Heartworm, which is from Columbus, Ohio, they they do that they do the hardcore so I'm sure we're gonna have some breakdowns but I'm but I'm down for it if it's the right stuff and and they kill it I really do like Heartworm if you haven't checked them out yet um, then 
Here is the other livid, and we've booked this livid before. They're from Kenosha, Wisconsin, and they just they like to say that they are the slam. You know, they like to slam. So, uh, if you're into that stuff, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Otherwise, it's dirty. It's oh, heavy. They are very good. They are very just that kind of deep driving drum driven slammy goodness and i'm and i'm all about it they were great last time and i'm excited for this time and i'm super excited about the last band because they've got the one of the best names i've ever booked are you guys ready for this the final band for saturday march 24th is uncle slammy and the warlords I'm all about it. Who the fuck is Uncle Slammy? I don't care, but and I'm going to go see him. His friends are tight. So they're from Columbus, Ohio. Um, they say that they're a nice crossover of punk, hardcore, and thrash. And I'm down for that. That sounds fucking awesome. So, um, God damn, I don't think they have a Facebook, those fucking bastards. They have a band camp, but as hard as I looked, I couldn't find it. So... Um, they're difficult to find, to say the fucking least. But if you have band camp... You should have a solid chance of finding them. Bandcamp is the place. Bandcamp is is really awesome. As a, as a guy that's in a band, um, every couple months they send us an email that says, "Hey, here's fifty to a hundred dollars for people downloading your stuff." And we're like, "Holy shit! What the? Why? Fuck? Thank you." And they've done that for the. They've done so. We released our last album, my band Weed Be, in uh, spring of two thousand sixteen. I think. Yeah, I want to say it was. Almost two years ago now. And every six months, we get a check from them because people are downloading it. So It's, any, a, it's a good album. If, if anybody, you haven't yeah. downloaded it, get on Bandcamp and get it. And if you're not on Bandcamp, I highly suggest getting on it because there's so much good music out there to be found just through Bandcamp. Stuff you can't find on iTunes, stuff you can't find on Spotify. I'm a big supporter of Bandcamp. And so. it, it even works kind of like Spotify and Pandora where it'll look at the bands you're checking out and researching on there and it'll suggest other bands that are within the same genre or sound of those bands too. And they're decent at it. And so. they're they're pretty good at it. On that note, I want to give Spotify, even though they kind of treat their artists like shit, I want to give them the credit because they suggest artists to me and we're talking like a 80 to 90% thumbs up. They They're like, have you ever heard this band? And I'm like, no. And I listen to it, and they fucking rule. Spotify knows what the fuck I want. So uh, so bravo to technology in that respect. Technology. I've listened to more bands than I can remember. So, yeah. But uh, on the opposite of Spotify and screwing bands over per se, but Bandcamp is super tight to bands. As Nick was reiterating here, that he gets money from them every six months or so from his album he released almost two years ago. Yeah. Like Bandcamp is so good to the musicians that are on there. It's unbelievable. And I don't know the exact number, but I'm almost positive that, because I just read it today or yesterday, that they only keep, it's different between physical stuff that you sell and the downloads, but it's it's 10 or 15%. They keep 10 or 15% and you get everything else. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty good deal. It's a so, tight deal. Bravo, Bandcamp. Uh, we got we got one more uh, show announcement before we dive into the next beer. We're going to go back to two beers after this. Um, we just announced this one today. Uh, Monday, March 26th at Jerry Lee's Pub 
you bred raptors returns and holy shit i love oh my lord you bred raptors i will never um, miss one of their shows I'm sorry, I'm yawning. <laughs> You're gonna make me yawn. Stop. I'm sorry. I tried. I, I did get coffee. I bought some coffee last night. <laughs> and some creamer. Good job. But, but I am exhausted. <laughs> Just so y'all so, know, when we did this last night, she had no coffee. That was hard. That was hard. That's that's probably Shoot. why. Maybe 20 minutes in, you hallucinated that I was talking and I passed the fuck out. You know, that's why it's silent for a whole bit after. <laughs> but we both had the same hallucination. We did. But So now that Harry is on the train, he, this is the first time he learns about Nicholas Flamel in the books. Because mm-hmm. when he reads the back of the chocolate frog card you know because who's not going to Mm -hmm. you don't know what the fuck anybody is or anything this is all new it has their connection on there between Dumbledore and Dumbledore 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 it's like Eleanor and Dumbledore put together I like it (laughs) but your future kid's name right there (laughs) okay maybe if I get another cat you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um you know that's where he sees that connection but in the movie they have it from Hermione's light reading <laughs> yeah like it's definitely not where they learned about him no also while we're on the train wasn't Malfoy supposed to introduce himself on the train not on the steps of the school with a lot of people and a teacher present cause like I know they meet once before, but he doesn't know. Like, they meet in, um... Oh, God. The, uh... Like, the robe... Store. Yeah. Or they're <laughs> hemming their robes or whatever. Yeah, they meet, but he doesn't know who he is. But on the train, he, like, comes into the their little cubby with Crab and Goyle, and he's all like, You're, you don't want to make the wrong friends? But he in the movie, he does it on the steps <clears throat> in front of Professor McGonagall. Like... Yeah, okay. and she doesn't do anything. No. <laughs> she doesn't give a fuck. She's like, you're a douchebag kid, you know that? <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of McGonagall, what the fuck is up her ass in the movie? Like, okay, she was supposed to call them up alphabetically when doing the sorting hat. It's supposed to be Hannah Abbott first. I don't know why I know that, but I do. It just, it's in my brain. But no, she calls them all up like, oh, Susan Bones, Hermione Granger, Ronald Weasley, Draco Malfoy, Harry Potter. Like, what the fuck? Who, who, who does that? When you're, when you have a class of people, you either do it alphabetically or that, no, that's the only option. <laughs> you, just only do it alph- option. <laughs> you just do it alphabetically. <laughs> Maybe they decide. I mean, it wasn't by height or anything, you know. <laughs> like, was she just like closing her eyes and like touching one? Like, uh, you next, you next. But another thing that's annoying about that 
is that that trivia game, the Harry Potter trivia game, mm-hmm. is based on the fucking movie. Oh. So I'm never going to get it right. No. <laughs> but it's so annoying that that trivia game is based on the fucking movie. It would be so much cooler if it was based on the book. That Someone would be make much that. cooler. Yeah. Please, please make a trivia game based on the book information. Fuck the movie. Yeah. I do hate when, like, even when you take, like, those Facebook quizzes, like, how well do you know Harry Potter and stuff? And you're mm-hmm. all, like, confident and you're taking it and it's like, you got four wrong. And you're like, no, I didn't. Yeah. And then it shows you the four you got wrong and you're like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I, I just gave up on all the Harry Potter quizzes because it's always about the movie and the book is where it all started for me. Mm-hmm. So fuck the movies, even though I do love them. Yeah, well, it's hard not to love them. But it does upset me that there's no Peeves, because he makes things so much more fun. Yeah. Like, he has a much bigger role in the books. I mean, I know that it's super random, (laughs) but it's it's exciting. And the one thing that I've heard is that there was a scene with Peeves in it, but they deleted it. And it's not on any of the DVDs or anything. So they just cut Peeves out of Harry Potter altogether. Which sucks. Poor Peeves the Poltergeist. I just bit my tongue. Give me a second. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Oh no. It also annoyed me that they didn't sing the Hogwarts anthem. Like, why? (laughs) That's one of the best parts. And now I'm also just realizing that the Sorting Hat didn't sing his song too. And I love the Sorting Hat songs. Yeah. You can't Uh, see me, but I'm pouting. (laughs) <laughs> I can see you. Well, uh, yeah, well. <laughs> but what's funny is they sing it in the fourth movie. Yeah. When they're, after Harry has already been selected for the Triwizard Tournament, they're mm. walking through and singing it in the forest. Yeah. But, you know, if you didn't read the books, you'd be like, the fuck is that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's sad that they cut out the Sorting Hat songs because of how dark they get at the end of the books. Yeah, like, he knows what's going on. Like, it really like, sets the tone for how dark it's about to get. It does. Are you I thought you were pouting again. No! <laughs> the poor sorting hat. My, my tongue is still a little numb from biting it a couple seconds oh, ago. No. Um, okay. So, also, in the movie, Hermione is way more in with the boys than she is in the books. Like, they aren't really friends in the book until after Halloween. But in the movie, she's, like, with them from the start, which is annoying, because, like, then they always leave out Neville's parts. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you leaving out Neville's parts, you assholes? Leave Neville alone. (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel like Neville doesn't have a really big part in the movie. At all. Which is annoying, because he's important. You know, he is important. I mean, I get that they're trying to... The Golden Trio. They're always yeah. trying to put that in there. But man, I feel like Harry Potter is a lot about the relationships with different people. You know? Mm-hmm. There are so many characters in the book. There are so many that get left out, or they're just insignificant characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. But everyone has a role, and Neville has a fucking role. (laughs) (laughs) 
so the midnight duel with Draco. Mm-hmm. Not in the fucking movie at all. Not there. You I know, mean, that's... it's not really there in the book either, because it doesn't happen, but... Yeah, because he's just a little shithead. <laughs> but, you know, the midnight duel, that's where you see Draco where he's, yeah, I'm all talk, and then, you know, he fucking bails. His whole yeah. thing was to just get Filch to catch Harry and Ron. <laughs> but they don't put that in the movie. No. We always see as the snobby kid, and I feel like that really drills in more of his personality as a child. You know? Because, hmm. I mean, we see Draco's no, character grow. I mean, he just totally changes throughout the books, I think. Mm-hmm. But we don't get that tone in the movie as much. Maybe in the next movies he changed, like, they add a bit more. I've never really fully paid attention for that, so I'm not sure, but... They have him a little bit. I, I don't think we really see a character change until the last movie. Yeah. But. Yeah. And the worst thing, we're going to come back to the goddamn movies and how they've become the focal point of everything that's Harry Potter is one of the things that you hear the most is it's levy oh it's levy osa not leviosa yeah that's not in the book <laughs> nope it's supposed to be the pronunciation of gar in wingardium leviosa like that is the part that's supposed to be pronounced that's what she's trying to drill into ron and the movie changed it and now that is more common than what's in the book maybe it sounded like more snooty i don't know maybe it was just I don't know. Why would you change such an insignificant little thing? Like, that just seems like such a weird thing to change. Yeah, and now it's stuck forever. Just like Ravenclaw colors, and this has to be <laughs> aggravating for anyone who's a Ravenclaw. Because the books is, you know, you have blue and bronze, but in the movie you have blue and silver. And yep. You almost have to go with blue and silver now because everything's made in blue and silver, and the bronze are everything. All that great with it. Everything that is Ravenclaw is blue and silver. Yeah, so you either have to make all your own blue and bronze because that would be badass, mm-hmm. or you just have to deal with the silver. <laughs> it just. I don't actually think I have anything sucks. that has bronze with, like the blue and bronze. You know, if I'd ever send you that damn necklace, you would. <laughs> Necklace? Bracelet? Bracelet. Both? 